the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1.13. Welcome to Sound Words, offering confessional commentary and application for the local church. My name is Rhett Burns, and I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church Traveler's Rest in the upstate of South Carolina. And we are continuing to make our way through the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, reading from the In Modern English Version, published by Founders Press. And today we start chapter 2 with the first section of that chapter, which is on God and the Holy Trinity. And section, or excuse me, chapter 2, section 1 reads like this The Lord our God is one, the only living and true God. He is self existent and infinite in being and perfection. His essence cannot be understood by anyone but Him. He is a perfectly pure spirit. He is invisible and has no body parts, or changeable emotions. He alone has immortality, dwelling in light that no one can approach. He is unchangeable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, in every way infinite, absolutely holy, perfectly wise, wholly free, completely absolute. He works all things to the counsel of his own unchangeable and completely righteous will for his own glory. He is most loving, gracious, merciful, patient. He overflows with goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. He rewards those who seek him diligently. At the same time, he is perfectly just and terrifying in his judgments. He hates all sin and will certainly not clear the guilty. And so this section is as much an exaltation of God as it is an explanation of God. You can just sense the writers of the confession exulting in who God is as they write this. And in some ways, this paragraph, it really stands on its own in no need of commentary. And I feel just a little bit foolish for even trying to provide some, but we will press on nonetheless. And what we see here in the very first sentence is that that God is one. The Lord our God is one, the only living and true God. God is, He is unique. There is no one and no thing like our God. We see this in His attributes. We see that He is He's infinite. We see it in that He is immense. We see the bigness and the greatness of God. We see that He dwells in unapproachable light. And He is absolutely holy. He is perfectly wise. He is wholly free. No one else in all of the universe is like that. No one else can be described in, in that way. God is, He is one and He is unique. We'll get to the Trinity later, but this uniqueness, this oneness, also shows us why no analogies really fit when we're trying to explain the Trinity. So people try to use all sorts of analogies to to explain the the three-in-oneness of God, and usually all of those analogies end up in some sort of ancient heresy, and they don't work. And the reason they don't work is because God is one, and there's nothing like Him. Analogies work by saying, this is like that, but but that doesn't work with God because nothing else is like Him. He is one. He is unique, and He is the He's the only living and true God. There, there are no others. It's not like God is one among a pantheon of gods, or He's first among other gods, or He's uh, rivals with other gods competing. No, no, no. He 
he's the only living and true God. All the other conceptions of God are false. All the other religions are false. God, in a very technical sense, has no rivals. There are those who, there are spiritual beings, rebellious angels, demons, that try to contend with God and try to usurp God, but they are created. They are not creator like God. They are not like God. They are not a true God. And they are not like Him. And so they are not His rivals. Continuing on reading, we see that He is self-existent. Meaning, God is not dependent on anything or anyone for His existence. We are dependent. So we depend on God. We depend on what God has made. Oxygen uh, to breathe. Water, we need water, we need food. We're, we're dependent on so many things that ultimately trace back up to we're dependent on God, but God is self-existent. He exists within himself. Nothing else is like him. He is infinite in being and perfection. His essence cannot be understood by anyone but him. And so this isn't that we can't have knowledge of God. We do have knowledge of God, but it is revealed knowledge to us. It is what God has chosen to reveal to, him, um, to us of himself and he does that in the holy scriptures but even with that knowledge we have enough knowledge sufficient knowledge to know god we have sufficient knowledge to uh, turn to him in repentance and faith and to, to worship him we know things about god but knowing his essence knowing you know fully comprehending everything that is god that is only for god we don't know um Everything about him, his essence, cannot be understood by anyone but him. We don't have the capacity. He is, he is too immense. He is too infinite. He is infinite in his being and in his perfection, and we can't comprehend it. He is a perfectly pure spirit. He is invisible and has no body, parts, or changeable emotions. God is uh, reliable in his emotion. He doesn't have passions that are, are, are subject to change according to his whims or according to outside circumstances. No, he, he is unchangeable in his emotions. He, he alone has immortality. God, as God, doesn't die. Yes, Jesus in, he, in his humanity died as a man, but, but God in his, in his godness doesn't die. He is immortal. He is dwelling in light that is that no one can approach. And think of the brilliance, the brightness of God's dwelling, of His glory. God is unchangeable. That means He is He is rock solid, dependable. This is why we can we can look to God as a rock and a refuge and a strength in times of trial, in times of trouble, in times of temptation, in times of grief and sorrow. We can look to God because He is unchangeable. He is dependable in those, in those situations. He is immense as He is great. He can be a refuge for us, a strong tower because of His immensity and because of His unchangeableness, because He is eternal. He has no beginning and no end. He is the one who was and is and is to come, existing outside of the time and space of creation. God is eternal. He's incomprehensible. Again, we don't have capacity to understand His eternality. We don't have the capacity to understand everything about God because He is that big. He is almighty. That means He is powerful in every way. There's nothing too hard for God. He does all that He pleases. Our God is in the heavens and He does all that He pleases. He is in every way infinite, absolutely holy. He is holy, meaning he is completely set apart. He's set apart from creation because he's the creator. He's set apart 
in his righteousness and in his the perfections of, of his being, the perfections of his righteousness. And he's also set apart because he is utterly devoted to his own glory. And so he's absolutely holy. He is perfectly wise. He always knows what is good and right and true and beautiful. He knows how to put that into action. He knows how to make right judgment and to rightly order the world. God is wise. Further, God is wholly free. He, he is under no constraints. No one or no other thing is telling God what to do and when to do it and how to do it. He is wholly free. Everything he does, he, can, he does all that he pleases and he does it with utter whole freedom. He is completely absolute. And then this, he, he works all things according to the counsel of his unchangeable and completely righteous will for his own glory. God works everything, all things. He's in control of all things. He is sovereign and providentially in control of all things and he weaves all of our stories together. He weaves all of our actions together. He, he takes everything that happens throughout history and he weaves it together to accomplish his completely righteous will for his own glory. He is in control. Therefore, we can trust him with all the details of our lives. We can trust him with all the details of current events, of history, of our future, whatever it is. God, he's, he's working it all together according to the counsel of his will, according to the counsel of his will for his own glory. God is doing all things with ultimate purpose. Nothing is gratuitous. Nothing is on accident. Nothing is arbitrary. Therefore, we can trust him that even our sorrows and even our trials and even our temptations and even our troubles, that they're part of the story that God is telling, that we are characters in. And our job is to be faithful characters in that trusting that he is working it all together for his own glory and for our good. And so we see that, that God is immense. He is great. He is high and lifted up. But we also see that God is near to us, that God condescends to us. We see that he is most loving, gracious, merciful, patient. You see, he is wholly unlike us. He's wholly uh, free. He is perfectly wise. He is absolutely holy. We are not. We are sinners. We are bound up in space and time. We are finite. We make all kinds of just foolish and dumb decisions all the time. And God is patient with us. He is he is loving and gracious and merciful to us. He, he overflows with goodness and with truth. He forgives iniquity and, and transgression and sin. He is, he is patient and merciful with us. He covers our sin in Christ. So he is high and lifted up and yet he is, he is tender with sinners. And he rewards those who seek him diligently. Those who seek his face. Those who in Christ seek to obey his will, he rewards them. How good is our God? How good is our God that he would do that? And at the same time, he's also just because he, he doesn't overlook sin. He's not a pushover. He will he, he is perfectly just and terrifying in his judgments. He will judge sin. He hates sin. None of this mercy and grace and love that is in God means that, that he really just doesn't care about sin. No, he hates it and he will judge it. The good news is that he will pour out that judgment and wrath in his hatred against sin either on Christ 
which he's done, or it comes on the sinner. He will certainly not clear the guilty. I mean, sin will be dealt with. But in his grace, and his mercy, and his patience, and his love, he has put forward his son to take on that judgment and take on that wrath. His, his love is made known to us at the cross. And so there are two ways to live. Either we live in light of the cross, believing and trusting in the work of Jesus on the cross, taking the wrath of God for our sin upon himself to the, to the grave, and then being raised on the third day so that we can be raised to new and everlasting life. And the other way to live is to bear your own weight for your sin. Because God will not clear the guilty. He is just and terrifying in His judgments. Praise God that just and terrifying judgment fell on Christ in our place. So what we see here is this exaltation of God, this exaltation in God. And the application is that we ought to fear God and we ought to praise Him. And thank Him for His mercy to us in Christ. Thank you for listening. This has been Sound Words. Until next time, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. For more information on our church, find us on the web at trfirst.org or on YouTube at youtube.com at fbctr or you can find us on Facebook. Have a blessed day.